Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Peter Berg with us. Dr. Peter Berg, um, he has his EDD. He is a author with the book, The Tao of the Teenager, A Guide to Teen Health, Happiness, and Empowerment, an adjunct faculty at Southern New Hampshire University, school leader, teen mental health coach and alternative education organizer with the organization Arrow, Alternative Education Resource Organization, which I am very excited to learn more about today. So thank you, Peter, for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, my first question for you is, what was your uh, initial inspiration to get into education? Was it something from your early years or later in your adult years? Yeah, I, th that's uh, such a wonderful question. And for me, it it was something I knew that I was always going to do, uh, even though I tried to resist it. <laughs> um, I I think, you know, as um, as most young people, you have aspirations of, you know, being a professional baseball player or, you know, et cetera, things like that. Um, and so I, I think I always knew I was going to end up in some sort of helping profession and definitely knew that I was going to be a teacher in some fashion. I just didn't know what it would look like. And I think really what the the, the thing that really kind of brought it all together for me and really um, made it something where I knew it was something I was going to pursue um, wh whenever that happened, I uh, was during actually an, a, uh, an eighth grade lesson on the Holocaust. And um, I just remember, well, my, that particular teacher was a very dynamic teacher and, um, but I think it was just the way he approached that. And, uh, believe it or not, he had the whole eighth grade class together for like three hours, which was like kind of a big deal to be able to do that. Um, and I think it was just his approach. And I think he just didn't hold anything back. And I, I found that very profound and very moving and, uh, and I think it was something that he said at the end, too, where um, he said, you know, if, if if this makes you if this makes you sick to your stomach, make sure this never happens again. And mm -hmm. so, of course, me being the person I was, I raised my hand and said, well, how do we do that? And he said, well, help people you have no reason to help. Smile, be kind, you know, um, help when you can. And I think that really stuck with me and that um, even though I didn't know it at the time and it wasn't like at that moment, I just, you know, the light, you know, opened up and I had this great epiphany. I, I think though it, it it was impactful. And I think that really made an impact on me. And, and that's something that I wanted to share uh, with other people. So, um, and then I became a New York city public school teacher, uh, did that for a number of years. And, um, I think as I was doing that, I just realized that there was more to this. And even in my undergraduate training um, as a teacher, I was lucky enough to have professors who um, really kind of thought outside the box and looked at education as a whole and a holistic endeavor. Um, and then I came across uh, a man by the name of John Taylor Gatto, uh, who uh, has been uh, passed away uh, for a few years now, but he was a New York City public school teacher as well for many years, th about 30 years, I believe, um, but was a little bit of a renegade uh, or a um, responsible subversive and did things where, you know, he would get, you know, students out of the building and they would do internships and things like that. Mm. So, so I think just hearing about that and, um, you know, having that kind of, um, you know, I, I think just all of those things coming together. And then I, way back when I was a student teacher, um, I was in a, kind of an alternative program. And 
um, I was a, you know, and it's really an assistant teacher um, in the classroom. It was a small classroom of, you know, mixed age students and, and um, you know, students who just needed a really a different kind of environment. And um, the lead teacher uh, happened to have kind of an out of a blue medical emergency and it became my classroom when I was about wow. a, month, a month and a half into student teaching. Um, you know, with students who, um, you know, let's just say we're, 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 uh, I think um, the conventional system didn't really work for yeah. them. And, um, and so I think what that did for me um, is really drive home this idea of relationships with students and how, you know, education is more so much, so much more than just, you know, going and talking about information, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's so much more than that. And, and I think that just really, and it also resonated with me in a big way. And I think that just really kind of shaped the rest of my life, really. I, I mean, all of those things coming together, um, really just shaped what I was going to do. Wow. So, so impactful. And I want to first touch on your teacher in high school or in middle school, and then this work you did as a student teacher. Um, and I have a kind of connection with that with a, a guest I had on earlier this season. But um, I'm a history teacher, so that resonated with me. Um, I had really impactful history teachers in middle school as well that kind of brought history to life. Um, I remember doing like this really neat Native American project and learning about the local Native American groups in like the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you know, New York area. Um, but just talking about the Holocaust, like when you can present a message that's deeper than just here is something that happened in history that we're going to learn about. And maybe, you know, you do tell stories or have a guest speaker. It's funny. I have a guest speaker that talks about her mom as a Holocaust survivor uh, coming into my classroom this week. So it's interesting having this conversation. But the message of having empathy, being there for people seeing you know all people as equal and wanting to help strangers and help people you normally wouldn't I think that's what stays with students stays with you and it's really powerful when you are now an adult and you can remember this exact message from eighth grade mm -hmm. you know and I think many people have at least one teacher in their life that has some some message that they sent to them and they can hold on to that and that's kind of why I got into it and why I stayed into it um, is that you can have that impact and and there you can have a negative impact too so like the the responsibility you have as a teacher it's it's powerful it's really important that you are sending that you know really positive message to those students because they'll remember the negative ones too mm -hmm. um the student teaching piece I had a former student on this season who is now a teacher and same thing it was during the pandemic height of the pandemic her teacher that she was working with got really sick and they're like it's now your classroom and you're you know you're 21 years old you're just getting your feet wet and mm -hmm. an emergency happens and and they need someone and that is that that's the learning experience yes. right you really kind of can you tell me more about um, because we'll get into the the work you do in alternative education, like what that early experience was like, or like what the education, the alternative education setting was like at that time. Yeah, so it was it was a setting within um, within a, a you know a public school setting, but it was um, you know it was really a cohort that kind of traveled together, um, not for every single class, but for most of them. And so I think really what it was, was the, it, there was some recognition there that, okay, this isn't working for this group of students. Mm -hmm. You know, what can we do? Can we do something different? Now, as you know, as we all know, sometimes with um, big systems, you know, it, they're, they're, they resist change, I guess, is the, is the way to say it, right? Um, I think it was, again, it was really that recognition that these students needed something different and that there was a way to to try this and do something mm -hmm. differently into and and I think on to be you know 100% honest as I reflected back you know later on when I really started to think about it unfortunately I think some of it was like well we need to do something with them <laughs> and so what did we do and it was it was 
it wasn't necessarily born out of this kind of altruistic, you know, let's mm -hmm. let's do what we can to help them. I think there was some of that, but unfortunately, I think that was the lesser piece. I think the bigger piece was like, okay, well, you know, they're being disruptive in other classes and they're not doing well and they're whatever. And so what did we do? And I think it kind of started with, okay, let's kind of get them out of sort of the, you know, um, I won't even call it mainstream because they were mainstreamed, but but let's let's get them out of this uh, these other settings and put them all together kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, I mean, I so I think there was, I think it was kind of born from that, but I think out of that came some really interesting things. Um, and I think for me, that that whole experience was just about, you know, like you were talking about, you know, touching the student's heart, right? Making that emotional connection. And I think what what these students really wanted, and I think, I'll, I'll, you know, when I really think back, it was probably like the first, you know, four or five months where a lot of what we did was just really connecting with each other. And yes, we learned some things and we talked about things, you know, we did things, but I think it was really more about um, a lot of these students didn't have trust for adults mm. and they had really bad experiences with adults and with education. Um, and I think there was a lot there. So this was a, a high school. So, so I have most of my experiences, middle, middle, middle school, high school, and of course, um, uh, you know, uh, college age as well. Um, but so this was, this, this is with high school students and, um, I think by the time they got to high school, they were just, you know, they've, they've had, they had had some really bad experiences mm -hmm. um, with school. And I think that was, that was a lot of the work was around that just kind of like, all right, you know, we actually have this opportunity and to really look at it like that, rather than this is a punishment, this is really an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I don't, honestly, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say I, I do know. I think they they guided me more than I guided them, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think even though I, I maybe helped them phrase things and and kind of like, you know, uh, frame some stuff, I think it was really more what they were saying to me was really about, you know, and as a young teacher and someone coming out of, you know, and doing student teaching, I think it was more about, okay, they're telling me this is what they need. So I should listen, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so, and, and I did, and I, and I, and I think, you know, there was some success there. I think, um, me deciding to, uh, not stay with public school teaching was a variety of factors. I think one, um, I, uh, to be honest, I just wanted to experience different things. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of it. And I also, I kind of, you know, I, after trying to affect change and do things differently, and some really interesting experiences um, in terms of uh, the structure and what what that structure can and can't do. And then I just realized that there there's some other things out there and there's other there's there's different ways to do this. And so I really wanted to experience that and um, which kind of leads me to the things that I'm doing now. <laughs> which are, are multiple things, but um, yeah. Yeah, and I, this whole path of um, alternative education being like, at first, like the other way of doing education, or I think of when I was in high school, like the VoTech program was the other, where like the kids who don't wanna do the traditional academic route, they go and they do the VoTech route. And there was something always about that's less than, Mm -hmm. um, where I think the new kind of way of looking at it, and maybe what you'll explain a little bit more with, um, arrow is that it's not just other or, you know, because the, the students are not really doing well in the traditional classroom is like, maybe the traditional classroom is not really the way we should be educating our kids. And these students are really picking up on something about being more authentically themselves and maybe also having that sense of agency of this is not working for me and I need more exploration. I need more, you know, um, get me out in the field, like get me using my hands and, and talking to people in a field I'm interested in. 
learning real skills that are going to benefit me as an adult in the real world and not just like all these essays I have to write or like all these tests I have to take. And for some students that still works, but mm -hmm. I think long-term the traditional system is breaking down. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just in general, the public school system is breaking, da breaking down because we have teachers leaving. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, students really struggling, like struggling to um, have good mental health, like struggling with anxiety. A lot of this is coming out of the pandemic, but I'm sure they were struggling with that before. And we're seeing that there needs to be more support system in the school. And it's not just about taking all these classes and getting this GPA and passing all these tests. And I think it worked for a while, but even into the 21st century, I, I do feel like it's kind of breaking down and this opening of and that's why I really enjoy having you on the show is talking about these different ways of learning, I think needs to be explored. And I think it needs to be infused in the public school system because long-term that traditional method, it's just not the way we're functioning as humans anymore, right? Like a lot of it is we want it to control students into like a box and say, this is your job track. This will funnel into industry or into whatever we need you for in society. And it was just, I guess, like a way to just have a system, right? And now it's like, well, we want to have students thrive as people, right? We want to have people thrive as people and know who they are and what they have passion for and, and how they can make a living off of that too, you know, be practical in that way. So if you want to tell me a little bit more about the work you're doing um, in alternative education and, you know, all of your different projects that you have. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, so a lot of uh, what, I, what I'm doing now is for um, Arrow, which is the Alternative Education Resource Organization. Uh, Arrow has been around for over 30 years. And um, so really, in a nutshell, the mission is to bring uh, learner-directed education opportunities to everyone, uh, to make it accessible to everyone. Um, and so within that, we, uh, Arrow is inclusive of really anybody who's interested in that. Uh, so that goes, you know, from Montessori to homeschooling, to unschooling, to public school, to, you know, to really anything, you know, anybody who's interested in that idea that it is learner directed, right? Learner directed, learner centered. And, uh, you know, humans are natural learners. And, uh, you know, one thing I, when, when I do talks like this and sometimes with groups who, who are maybe initially resistant because when they hear my background and they hear what I represent, they think that it's kind of bashing um, everything that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And one question I ask them is, so when you're interested in learning something, does someone have to loom over you to make you do it and then coerce, threaten, you know, negotiate with you to do it? And the answer is always no, right? If I'm interested, that doesn't need to happen. So I think the this model of education that we have, where it's like, okay, I need to tick all these boxes. And, and like you were saying earlier, for some students that works. For and, and at certain times they might be interested in those things. And and maybe, you know, um it's introduced to them and they didn't know they were interested, but now they are interested. You know, I think that's okay, but it has to be learner directed it has to be directed by okay you know what are you interested in well let's talk about the things that you're interested in, that connect with you that that have that emotional connection you know and you were talking about just a bit ago about this kind of real world real life experience that i think you know everyone craves right everyone wants that they want to see how they want to interact with people right or they want to interact with the the real world in a real way that's not to say that school can't be real. I mean, yes, that's, that's real, right? It's part of society. You know, we go to school, we interact with each other. There's a lot of important things that happen there. But I think it, it gets so segmented because it's around, you know, grades and test scores and um, and this kind of compulsory, you have to go. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's not, that's not, um, that's not working anymore i don't know that it ever really did um, and when i mentioned john taylor gatto um he has a book about um really about how the education system here at least in this country you know started 
and it, it's not always a pretty picture, you know, in terms of, of where it came from and the origins of it and what was it what was it supposed to be about. Now, that being said, I want to just take a, a really quick and important pause here to say there are, you know, millions of people in the public school education system that are doing great work, that are, you know, extraordinary people that, you know, that really care, um, that want to do, you know, that want to do this right. And I think part of it, though, is there's a there's a bigger system there that it's hard, you know, it's hard mm -hmm. for it to change because it is so big. And and there are some things that they do well. So it's kind of like, yeah, what what do we change? What are the pieces that we change? And and for me, I would say do away with grading, do away with the compulsory nature of of you have to go to school. Um, and and I think even just, you know, um, putting people together by age right like you know where and where else in the world does that happen it doesn't right there's no there's nowhere else where everybody is uh segregated just by age that's it that's the only criteria there is no i want to learn this or i've already learned this two years ago or you know or whatever right it's 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 this kind of age grouping idea that um again i think you know, doing away with that compulsory and making it really, you know, learner directed. And there's ways to do that, you know, even with, you know, a class of 35 students, you know, you there there are ways to do that. Um, but it, it does take a kind of a reshifting and a rethinking. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of the work we do with Arrow is um, one is to help students and families uh find the right fit you know what what's going to work for them and uh, you know it, it really it's it's just across the board you know there's not one thing that we recommend it's like okay tell us about what's going on okay what where where are you you know geographically and then you know what are some of the you know what are some of the things you can look into and that's um one of the main things that we do and then we also put on events which um, I guess we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and, you know, we do that, we do trainings, we help people start, you know, schools or learning environments or, or that kind of thing. And again, it's not about, you know, we, we're, we're never wants to get up there and say, you know, um, you know, the conventional system or the public school system or whatever term people are using, um, is evil. You know, we're not, we're not that, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not those people, you know, we're saying, it needs to change. Mm -hmm. And there and there are things to really take a hard look at because yeah. one of the things that you said a little bit ago is you were talking about some damage that could be done, you know, um, in, you know, in a system that I think is geared more towards a top-down, you know, kind of idea. And there there is damage and and students can be wounded by school. And I, you know, I I I'm a, a mental health practitioner as well. And a lot of what I see, um, we we talk about okay, what's one of the first questions we I talk about is what's school like for you? What are you doing? You know, where are you learning? And tell me about that environment. And a lot of the anxiety and the stress comes from you know environments that are not learner directed or learner centered. They're not, you know, they're 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 centered on other things, but not not that. Mm -hmm. And and I think. There's a real, there's a real important discussion to be had, and there's some really important action uh, to be taken. Now, I I agree with what you were saying a bit ago about we still need a strong public school system, because I think what what we find is in some right with alternatives is, you know, there's often a fee, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's not free to go. Um, and now some people will say, well, what about ESAs and what about the money following the child well that that's certainly a model and i think that it is an important one and i think it's a, a really important idea um but i also think the public school system is you know there there's 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 room there for this to change mm -hmm. and to be what it needs to be um but i don't know i think there's a lot of resistance and i think it's unfortunately i think when we talk about alternatives sometimes is that could also be manipulated too, right? Mm -hmm. That could be turned into, I was actually reading an article um, 
I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, or maybe just last week, how um I and there was a homeschooling um a homeschooling group that was really about you know learning how to be good Nazis, you know, and I hate I hate mm-hmm. to say that, but that's what it was. Um and so yeah, there's there's certainly things like that that could happen. I I think I think we run the risk though of like looking at that and saying that's what it, all of it is and it's not you know it really isn't in fact it's most of it is the antithesis of that and really talking about you know again being you know a, a self-directed and self-determinant and and understanding how you fit into the community and that you're an important part of the community it's not just you know sometimes when I say learner directed it sounds it can sound like it's all selfish and it's all about what the learner wants. And, and yeah, in a, in, a, in a large way it is, but it's also learning about, okay, what's my place, right? How do I fit into this? What am I about? Who am I? Totally different way of going about it. And um, so there's just, a, there's a lot of interest now, as you were saying, like, I think the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, some of the silver lining there was that people's eyes were opened um, I think there were like different methods of that were uh, that had to be employed, right? Like I think even if we look at um, the conventional system, there were there was remote learning, which you know whether it was a disaster or whether it worked, it was still like, hey, this this is something mm-hmm. different, right? It's just different. There's another way to possibly do this. Um, some some uh, schools had classes outside, right? Some I mean, and they, they you know they made use of their space. And so I think that was it, it. It it in a way, um, really encouraged people to think outside the box and like, okay, what do we do? You know, um, how do we do this? And can we do this well? And what's a different way? And for some students, I think they found, you know, what I like this remote learning. They and maybe I don't have to be in school every day. You know, maybe I can go a couple of days a week, or maybe. And so I think it really, it really just took this all and shook it up and yeah. turned it upside down and all of that and was like, okay, what, what can we really do here? And I think to me, that's the future. I mean, we're, we're going into, I, I can tell you, I mean, there are people starting micro schools and I mean, it's just happening, you know, people are, and parents are now, and students, right. And learners mm-hmm. are saying, Look, you know, this, what I'm doing now doesn't really work. This doesn't really, you know, this isn't really an interest of mine. And so what do I do? How can I do something meaningful? And I think we're all searching for that meaning, right? Like mm-hmm. what's meaningful? Um, mm. Yeah. And that's like all wrapped up into like, kind of like my next part when I talk about the pandemic. So I think it is a time where we are shaking things up and becoming more honest with ourselves. Students are very honest. Like I have a pretty good rapport. I teach high school. And they, I'm actually doing um, a unit right now, my psychology class on learning. (laughs) So I kind of use them as like my um, little like study and like ask them, like, tell me, like, tell me what you've learned during this time in the pandemic of what's working, what's not working. Maybe flexibility works. Like I know a lot of students, they didn't like being virtual all the time, but they liked that we had this one period of time where we had Wednesdays called um, asynchronous days. So mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, virtual, Thursday, Friday, virtual, but just to give us a break of not being on Zoom all day, we had async days and the students can just work on the things they were given on the other days. And they could also then, we had office hours um, for meeting on Zoom. So you want to meet for a half hour with your teacher on Zoom on that Wednesday. It was beautiful. And it was like, some breathing room for all of us. And I'm like, why can't we still build in something like that? Like I, again, I teach high school, they're young adults. I talk to them like young adults. This isn't a daycare, you know? And like school, like you were saying, it shouldn't be like compulsory. Like it's, it's not daycare. It's not childcare. I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's still seen that way. Like I just need to put my kids somewhere, but if we can teach kids to be more independent to work on their own and give them autonomy, give them choice, give them, ask them like what they want to learn about, give them something with structure and then go and do it. Like a lot of them can do that on their own and then they can manage the time they want, they want to, how they want to do it. So a lot of them liked that. And I feel like we can take that with us into 
this new time. So kind of thinking about the public school system, and I'm very much an advocate of let's break down the system and try to change it and shake it up. But I think you got to do it in pieces. It's so big. There's so many holes. My my biggest area is the schedule. Like I think scheduling, it is so packed and they start school so early. Like I'm fortunate I'm in an independent school and we start it now at 8.30, which is reasonable. Many of the high schools start at 7.30 in the morning. I used to teach at B in school at 6.45 in the morning. Mm. That is not the way we function as humans at all, especially teenagers. Like you look at all the, Mm. you know, stuff on child development and their brain and sleep and all of that. And we're not following the psychological science with how we do school. Like that needs to be matching. Like we need to be using child development and psychology and pairing that with how we do school and schedules don't work. And the fact that they have one class 40 minutes or 45 moved to the next one. And it's like subject here, subject, nothing's cohesive. There's no time to process. You're Mm -hmm. literally just moving kids around for control and structure and packing it in because we need to cover all this stuff. No, we don't. Why, Why are we still thinking we have to cover all this stuff? And if it goes back to higher ed, if you're looking at it's still a college driven system, then we need mm-hmm. to look at that too. Like not everything should be about you end up in college and mm-hmm. also higher ed needs to be more flexible. Like why do they need all these credits in this subject, this subject, and this subject? They right. don't like that doesn't make you a well-rounded learner because right. you have four credits in each subject area. Right. Um, and I think you can start to manipulate the schedule, like start with one thing, open it up a little bit, maybe start later have some space in the day where it's just, you have time to work on a project. You have time to meet with teachers, right? We should be there guiding them and not just like, I'm literally teaching you a subject. Um, I don't think they should have as many classes in a day. If you don't have that in college, you might have two or three. Why do we have eight classes in a day? That's ridiculous. Like it's just jam packed. I see kids eating lunch in the hallway. I've done this the same 20 minutes to get to the next thing to get to a meeting during lunch. I'm like, that's our body doesn't function that way. Like we're not meant to just be on a conveyor belt. Like school feels like a conveyor belt Mm -hmm. for sure. We need to have space. And that's also a place where you can have creativity, problem solving, thinking deeply and having these deeper conversations like you had with your teacher about the Holocaust, right? Mm -hmm. Three hour lesson program, right? Because there was space that teacher created for that, like think on the public school system level, because it is so massive. Nobody knows where to start. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't we just start with looking at how we can tweak schedules, like something yeah. um, and having a place where there's just a little bit more downtime. <laughs> the kids will be okay. Mm-hmm. They will be fine. You can give them some space. <laughs> well, play, right. Play is super important. Yeah. And, um you know, like you, what you were describing is so unhealthy, you know, just from uh, every aspect, you know, mental health, physical health, emotional health, uh, all that is just, is completely unhealthy. Again, nowhere else in the world does that happen. Nowhere, no, in, in no other space in society does that happen. And, and so even when we look at, you know, I, I, I teach college students, you know, all the way from undergrad up to the doctoral level in general right you're starting from the beginning anyway right in general you're starting you're making sure everyone has kind of a similar understanding so if someone coming out of high school doesn't know everything about whatever you know class they're in well you're not really expecting them to do that even at the graduate level even above i mean are there certain things that you would uh, expect people to know sure but you're still also starting from that common understanding and you develop that. So, so I think when people, you know, and we, oh, well, they have to be ready for college. I think there's, there's, yes. I mean, there, you know, there was college driven and I think there's, there's some of that, but I think to really understand, you know, it's not about necessarily knowing all this background information. It's about knowing yourself well as a learner. And understanding mm-hmm. how how you learn and what kind of information you can take in and and making connections that help you understand the material and help you connect with it, that that is way more important than the you know 
whatever background knowledge we're trying to you know stuff into the and stuff into you know learners brains uh, it just doesn't work that way mm -hmm. and you know there's um i you know you were talking about scheduling and all of that and and you know i i see high school students you know waiting for the bus at 6 a.m you know and it's dark out and it's like you know what's what's that about because we know mm -hmm. what all we know we're still doing that and i think the what what that says is that in a lot of ways the system is adult centered you know yes, not so much you know youth centered and look you know obviously adults are part of it so we have to take care of the adults as well i think but we have to take care of each other we have to take care of everybody in the system and you know or everybody that's part of this right so um there there's i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of space to to do things and to change things i think what we're seeing though is a lot of people are just leaving right they're yeah. just like no i i you know i i yes i have all these ideas yes i you know i think probably this could happen but you know what i have my my child has only four more years of high school this is not going to change in four years or it's not going to ch change significantly enough to really make a difference a lot of what we're talking about this self-directed idea has to really you know it obviously it's it's way better if it starts earlier like you know like and and even at even in the home uh, in terms of parenting right there's um there's just the you know these models of really you know giving students um uh, sorry giving you know youth and children agency and this idea of cho you know having choices and 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 making decisions you know we have this model where at you know four or five years old you go into the system and then at 17 or 18 you graduate from the system but throughout that whole time you had very little opportunity to make decisions yeah and then magically when you graduate you're supposed to be really good at making decisions right That's like so true oh i wonder why when students get to college maybe and they have freedom for the first time and they have to make decisions no one's going to, you know, run them down in college and say, hey, what's, how come you weren't in class, right? Like that's, that yeah. doesn't really happen. So all of a sudden they have this freedom. They're not really used to it and they don't always make, you know, the greatest decisions. Now that can be no matter what, right? You can grow up self-directed and still not make good decisions. Right. But, but the thing is, is we're not even, we're not even allowing that or, or like giving them opportunity to make real choices to say okay you know if 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 i choose this then this might be the outcome if i choose that that might be the outcome and to really experience that and i don't know to me there's such an opportunity of i mean you can do that with a safety net mm -hmm. because when you, when, once you graduate right once you're and i say graduate in air quotes because you know we again this is kind of this arbitrary thing but you know, once you sort of move on and you're, you know, you're considered an adult because you're of a certain age or whatever, it, there isn't really that much of that safety net anymore. There's mm -hmm. some, right, but not, not in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so why not have students, you know, make these decisions and, and, and have this opportunity and be, you know, self-directed and, it's not always easy to be self-directed. I mean, I think as humans, sometimes we just want somebody to say, just go do that, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily want to think through every everything like that, but but there's room in that for that, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's places for that. And I think when you're self-directed and you have that model, you understand and you understand the need sometimes for that. You understand that, look, you know, if if this room is on fire and someone knows the way out, I want them to tell me where to go. Not right. hey, let's sit around and decide what the best way is to go, right? Right. So, so I think, but because you have that system, and then a lot of what we do at Arrow too is we talk about democratic process, mm. you know. And it's not you know teaching kids to be Democrats, right? It's you know democratic <laughs> yeah, process, yeah. right? And so, um, so that's super important, mm. and and that's something that it so can be done in you know, in any system. And there's a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Yaakov Hecht, and he's uh, out of Israel. And he actually, in the, the public schools in Israel, actually have this democratic process, mm -hmm. largely because of the work that he's done uh, with the public school system there. Um, and yes, it can, it can happen. And 
you know, you know, some, well, I, you know, I go to a school with 6,000 students. Okay. And I get it. That's, that's mm -hmm. big. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still ways to do democratic process mm -hmm. and, and it isn't all that. I mean, when I say it isn't, you know, you know, democracy can be messy sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, gathering all the voices and kind of, you know, making decisions, but there's also the model of the Iroquois Confederacy, right? Like yeah. that model of democracy where everybody's voice is represented, right? Even if, you know, there's a vote and whatever, and then you have, you know, maybe a small number of people who were, I hate this phrase, but I can't think of anything else like voted against, right? Or they didn't get their, you know, what they wanted um, wasn't voted for. But there's still ways to represent that voice. And that's what the Iroquois Confederacy did really well. And I think there's lessons there, you know, that we can take. So it's not just about, mm. hey, well, 50 people decided this and 49 wanted that. So we don't worry about the 49 people, right? It's like, well, that's not really going to work. Right, right. right. Um, so, and I think we honestly, in, in some ways, we see that politically going on, mm -hmm. you know, on a bigger scale where some people just feel like they're not represented um, well, you know, and, and, but I think, you know, that's shifting. And I think there's, I think what I see is the positive right now is people are feeling very free to express their voices, mm -hmm. whether I agree with them or not is not even the point, right? It's right. the, is they're expressing their voices. Now, you know, that's a whole other conversation that we probably don't have time for um, with us. But I think, you know, when we see all of these things coming together, so being you know, self-directed, learner-directed, having a democratic process, you know, doing away with things like, you know, when I say do away with grades, I don't mean not having any feedback or not getting, you know, being mentored or, you mm -hmm. know, um, understanding that process. But, you know, you put a grade on a paper and it doesn't hold it. There's value, I guess, in the sense that, okay, you got this out of this, but the idea is, okay, but what's the feedback? What do I do? How do I improve this? What happened? What was going on? What was I thinking at the time? Like all of that, I think that is a, a very different model than what we have. And, it, and you know, and it not being compulsory, because I think once you do that, when you force it, it's mm -hmm. it just takes a very, I, I so I think, and I've talked to lots of teachers. When I said that, I said, so what do you think would happen if students were showing up because they wanted to show up, what would that reduce for you? Mm. How, what would that open up for you in terms of time and just the, the way you're thinking and what's, so you know that students are interested. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know that they're there because they're they're whether it's, you know, a topic you're covering, whatever, but they're interested, right? They want to, they're, they're, they're choosing to come. Um, you know, what would that open up for you? And there's a lot. And then I just wanted to, because you raise an important point about, well, what do I do with my child kind of idea, right? And that that's, so if like, we don't have this school system, where do my children go while I'm working during the day? And that is real. That is a really important and true and, and, and realistic, you know, um, uh, concern and thought. And, and, but again, I think there are ways to do that where, you know, learners are going to a place that that's honoring who they are right and mm -hmm. and and wants to make them you know uh or just give them space right to just be who they are we talked about play how important play is how many how many you know schools are really set up for that to understand mm -hmm. the importance of play and especially at a young age i mean play is important for everybody adults mm -hmm. you know, all the way up to you know uh, play is important but like how how many how many learning environments in the conventional system are really set up for that now some of them are definitely adopting that and recognizing that and there are really good things happening it, it, i think it's just it's kind of like we're almost like tinkering around you know mm. we're kind of moving <laughs> we're trying to find what what's going on and it's hard to let go of something that we all know and we all like it's it's right it's ingrained into the fabric yeah. of our society it really is, right? I mean, think about driving in the morning and not seeing any school buses, right? right uh, I mean, right. what? What do you mean? There's yeah. no school, right? Like, and it's just ingrained. It's great in the summertime. I love it. 
Right. Oh, yeah. Because you can get around, right? Like, you, yeah, the traffic is way less. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, and, Everyone and, hates September. Right. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And and I think the it's interesting because I think when I when I think about it and I see, okay, so there's a student that has to travel 45 minutes on a bus, right? And then get off this bus, go into this assist, right? So, and you know, some people say, well, people commute to work. Yeah, of course they do. Okay, granted, right? But this student is being forced to do that, right? You're making a choice, right? You can choose, right? To a large degree, right? People have choice in, okay, how far do I have to commute, right? Now, the thing is, is so it, we need more. To me, I think we need more learning environments, right? Yeah. And we need to kind of, and, and there, you know, it, more community learning. And, and like you were talking, maybe the model is, you know, they don't go every day, but they go two, two days a week, three days a week, whatever it is. The other days they're, you know, doing, um, you know, projects in their community or they're learning, you know, and, and, and so to me, it's, it's taking out that factor of, you know, this, just the, just the stress of getting out of the door in the morning mm -hmm. and, and, and being on time. So that bus picks you up. You know that that's stressful. I mean, I talked to a lot of students about that, and it's just like that sort of starts the day in this kind of yeah. like, you know, it starts the day of like ah, uh, the sludge, right? You know? And it's like yeah. this anxiety mood because if you're not up at a certain time and you're not out at the door at a certain time and you miss the bus, right? That creates a whole cascade of things. Usually, now some kids just don't go, right? <laughs> they just like all right, whatever. I missed the bus, but yeah. um. But if they're, you know, if they're wanting to get there, then either they have to, you know, have a parent or someone else take them or make other arrangements. And so it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things there that you think we really need to examine. And we really need to understand that there are a lot of options out there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anybody who listens to this, um, I hope one thing to take away is that there are other things, there mm -hmm. are other options out there, but there's also lots of ways to really affect change you know, in the, in the current environment that you're in, and I'm talking to students as well. I mean, students, mm -hmm. you have a lot of power with your voice, you know, your voice carries a lot of weight and, you know, it's, it's okay to ask for things and it's okay yeah. to say this isn't working. Um, and it's okay to, you know, to organize around that idea I and think to think so. we want change and this is what we want, you know, and, and, yeah. and this is why, not just because we're like, well, we just want to hang around and like, you know, whatever, even though that's important too, right? Like that, that idea of, you know, having that downtime and having those open times and to be able to, you know, interact and dare I say, maybe get into trouble, you know, and like get, <laughs> and get yourself out of it, right? Kind of idea. Well, make your mistakes uh, in right. secondary level because that's when the stakes are a little lower. Right. And that's right. exactly true, right? I think, to understand that and to experience those things. I mean, to say, okay, I, I chose that and that happened. Okay, what was going on? What was my thinking? What, okay, if I'm faced with this another time, what might I do differently? Or would I do the same thing and 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 why? And I think that that is so important and it, and it there's there's resiliency in there and there's, you know, there's that agency and there's that understanding. And I think to to say this, sometimes when I when I talk to people about this, some are like, well, there's no accountability. I'm like, no, this is the opposite. This is actually in some ways more accountability mm -hmm. because you're realizing you understand, right? That choices have outcomes and you can choose things, right? But understand that it, you know, it sets you down a road. And so there's actually at some level even more accountability and sure. more understanding, right? Yeah. Of when it's your choice it's your consequence as well, good or right. bad. So you own that and that's your accountability. And like, you know, the whole saying like life's your greatest teacher, it really is. Like I've learned more as a young and middle-aged adult than I ever did in school, you mm -hmm. know? So when you give space and agency for students to kind of figure it out and they're going to stumble and they're going to make mistakes, they're going to hold on to that. And then when they're 20 years old and, you know, moving into their life completely independent from their parents, they're going to have more confidence. They're going to be like, yeah, I can, I can do this because I've stumbled before. I figured it out before I have that 
kind of problem solving muscle of like, okay, when I messed up before, when I did it this way before, what do I remember? Okay, what am I going to do next time? But if we're planning everything out for them and holding their hands so tight, literally pre-K through 12th grade, that's why you see freshmen going into college still like acting like it's 13th year, you know, and yeah. I've had um, graduate professors in my graduate program tell me about like this back, you know, in a while ago, but even back like six years ago, I have parents calling me and like asking about, you know, getting an extension. I'm like, right. you're not part of this conversation. They're 18 now. That's all confidential. Like you're not part right. of this conversation. Yes. And so that hand holding and having to do everything for them, make all of their choices, including classes you're going to take, assignments you're going to do, all of that. They're like, they're, they're setting up for failure because then when they're a young adult, they're like, how do I make decisions on my own? Because all of these adults made decisions for me my whole life. And I do think we need to just be like as adults in the system, okay with loosening the reins. Like <laughs> we can loosen the reins a little bit. They're not going to go like bonkers. Maybe some of them and you got to keep an eye yeah, on them. Sure. But when you loosen the reins a little bit, and you give them that autonomy and that sense of agency and like, I will be here to guide you, but maybe from a distance, most of the time they're, they're going to do okay. You know, they're going to do okay. And I do like this idea of with your organization arrow um, of giving a lot of different types of learning environments. And I would like to see more choice in the way that we have learning environments throughout our country and that it's funded. Like it would be great that the taxes we go towards public school, we could also have a way to fund different educational programs because there isn't a one size fits all. Everybody learns differently and having these different programs, but there's funding there, at least maybe for having some kind of more of a grant scholarships that go thrown into it for students who want to go into those programs, that would be great. Because I think a lot of times too, it does come down to, well, this is free. I don't want to pay for this, even though this might work better for my child, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. it goes back to funding too. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think it's like the idea of the money follows the child, right? Um, and it's funny, like I say that, and it reminds me of Maria Montessori, who used to say, mm -hmm. follow the child, right? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. kind of idea of like, that's let the child guide you idea you know and that's a lot of what we're talking about um and i did want to mention the conference really quickly so arrow uh, one of the things that we do is we put on events every year um and we have uh what we call kind of our our june conference because it happens in june uh usually every year and it's happening june 23rd uh to the 25th and it is going to be a hybrid event so we're going to be in person at uh, liu post in uh, brookville new york and then we're also going to have a virtual component. Um, and so we we have, you know, um, people from literally all over the world um, that either come in person or join us virtually. And uh, it's a mixture of youth and adults. So it's intergenerational. Um, and we just, you know, we have uh, just presentations and I would really call them more sessions on interactive sessions talking about a lot of the ideas that we just talked about, uh, but with people who are in the field, who have been doing, you know, working um, with, you know, learner-directed, self-directed education, people who have created their own, uh, you know, their own schools or learning environments, um, and just, you know, youth that are doing some really incredible things. Uh, so it's really, and a lot of it is about networking, of course, you know, meeting people and uh, connecting, and so it's really uh it's it's a it's a great event. Um we're going to be opening up uh, registration very, very soon, probably within the next few days. Um and you could go so there's um the, the conference site is uh aeroconference.org and then uh arrow's main site is educationrevolution.org. Um and when we say education revolution, um you know, some people say, hey, the revolution is happening right now, you know, and um, I think so, you know, I think there's, there's, there's that, but I think we really look at it again from the standpoint of, you know, it has to be this idea of self-determination and it's, 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 uh, we look at that as like, that's kind of the main thing, learner-directed, self-determinant, 
And that could look like, you know, there's a lot of ways that can look, you know, it's not just unschooling or homeschooling or whatever, you know, there's, there's just a lot of ways that it can look. And uh, I think one of the unique things about Arrow is that we're really one of the only organizations. And I would say the only global organization um, that I know of that, that has that idea, that inclusive um, sense of, okay, you know, we're not just about, you know, one thing, we're about this idea that can look in a lot of different ways and manifest in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be Montessori or it could be unschooling. It could be any of that. Um, and what we really try to promote too is again, this democratic process, right? The idea of self-direction, self-determination within a democratic process to say, you know, how do we make these decisions? And if we're not making them collectively, then, um, you know, what's happening and why aren't we doing it collectively? And, and, you know, what's, where's that coming from and what's that about? And um, is that really the best way to do it? Um, so, so yeah, so the conference again is in uh, June 23rd and 25th. Uh, anybody could also contact me. Um, my email is peter at educationrevolution.org. Um, so pretty easy to remember. Um, and uh, yeah, and any questions about that, I'd be happy to answer. Thank you so much. I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes. So I will link the two websites you mentioned. I'll link your contact information, your LinkedIn profile, all of that. So anyone can get in touch with you and possibly register. I um, will be looking to uh, into this event as well, because I should be around at that time. And I would love, so if you wanted to, you could just go also virtually as well. You can. Yes. Yes. And um. So again, you know, there's going to be some differences between virtual and in-person. Um, you know, we can't make all the in-person sessions available virtually. Um, but, you know, anybody who registers for in-person would actually have access to all the virtual stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and of course, you know, networking is different in person. I mean, we do a really good job of networking virtually. This is different. I mean, yeah. as we all know, we've all been to probably now lots of virtual events. You know? <laughs> yes. um, and so we know it's and not that you can't. I mean, yes, you can absolutely network virtually. It's a little different, um, you know, and I, and I think in person lends itself a little better to that. But mm -hmm. um, but again, we'd love to have anybody in any in any way you can show up, whether it's virtual or in person. Um, you know, we hope I know that you said that you're interested. I hope that you yeah. <laughs> You can, I mean, uh, I'm not that far. I might be able to to go in person too. So yeah, that would be great. That would yeah. be great. And maybe yeah. find some other folks to um, yeah. interview, you know. Oh, I, mean, I would love to promote more of this different types of learning environments uh, because I think that also gives us, you know, the whole purpose of why I started this uh, podcast was not just to, you know, poo-poo the system and say, here are all the problems. Let's like, you know, have like a complaining fest about it. But like, right. let's really come together and think of, education in a different way and like what could we do little by little to mm -hmm. make it better and make it more of a democratic process because all the values we hold you know in our country should be seen in our schooling system right so all the things you've talked about are the mm -hmm. values that we hold in a democracy mm -hmm. and so we can do it like I do have belief that we can again little by little make these changes you're not going to have like this huge change overnight it may take de decades but i think a hundred years of it being the same way and then the pandemic kind of being this opening of yeah it's not really working like this anymore long term what can we start to do to make those changes for the future i think it's doable absolutely mm -hmm. and this is a great resource so this right here this conference mm -hmm. what you're doing with arrow i think will give people an actual like place to start like oh and like a visual like yes this can look different it's not just like we're just talking about ideas absolutely thank awesome. you so much for being yeah, on the thank show you. thank great. you very much for for having me on and it was a real pleasure and um i look forward to chatting with you more and yeah. um again anyone who's listening please feel free to contact me um more than happy to talk about any of this with you answer any questions um, and, uh, thank you so much, Jackie, for having me on and, uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. Mm -hmm.